to my video. Let's try this again. Well, welcome to another IMCO, everybody. My name is Jonathan Chan, and so, so glad that you can join me today. Sorry about that technical difficulty with my camera. I'm not quite sure what happened, but I guess when you're running multiple gadgets in your computer, things will do, things will happen. And so today's date is Wednesday, February the 2nd. I'm here, my name is Jonathan providing you with another IMCO, in my Christian opinion, on what happened or what topped the news this past week that was worthy of my Christian opinion. Just kidding. Just whatever topped this bad news this past week and offering you my thoughts on that topic. So what topped the news this past week? Well, if you were living here in BC, close to a freeway like I am, over the weekend, you might have heard uh, some loud honking. Uh, my daughter and I were practicing baseball at a uh, baseball practice session uh, just up the hill here at a park, and I thought it was a train going nuts um, because, man, it was quite loud. I, uh, I thought it was a train that just decided to have a malfunction with its horn. But instead, I, I was told that it was the truck convoy the canadian freedom rider truck convoy um heading to ottawa well this one the one that was happening locally did not head to ottawa they were just i guess in solidarity they were protesting here so their plan was to drive from langley all the way to downtown and back to chilliwack and so uh like my brother said uh, when he was traveling eastward on Highway 1, uh, he would see all these um, people lining along the uh, highway, waving their flags or whatnot, uh, saying that in support of the, the truckers' convoy, kids rolling down the hills along the, the, the highway hills, the hills along the highway, which, by the way, is stupid and dangerous, and also people lining up along the overpass. So there was a humongous traffic jam uh, along Highway 1 heading eastward. So some of you who may not be living in BC or in Canada may be wondering, what is the truck convoy? What is this freedom thing? Well, not too long ago, uh, probably two and a half weeks ago now, uh, our federal government, who uh, basically was following what the U.S. was doing, the federal government in the U.S. was doing, well, they decided to issue a vaccine mandate on the truckers, meaning that the all the trucker drivers need to be fully vaccinated and need to show a proof of vaccination before they could enter into Canada or exit Canada, of course, over the Canadian and U.S. border. And that resulted in a uproar among some of the truck drivers. And I say some because... Not everyone, uh, not all the truck drivers are supportive of this protest. In fact, many of the ethnic, actually almost pretty much all of the ethnic minority drivers, those drivers who represent an ethnic minority, were not even invited to this trucker's convoy. Uh, some of you may already looked at some of the news articles from Global, City TV, CTV News. They interviewed some of the uh, truck drivers who represent ethnic minorities, and they say that 
A, they weren't invited, and B, they wouldn't have gone anyway if they were invited. So they didn't support this uh, trucker convoy, nor did the Canadian Truckers Alliance, uh, who represent many of the members of truckers, that uh, truck drivers. They say that a lot of these folks who you see here don't even belong in that membership anyway. Now, some of you may be looking at these pictures, scrolling back and forth. As you can see, uh, a lot of the protesters are bringing in also their own ideology. Some of them even defaced a Terry Fox statue. Some of them waving swastikas uh, at, the, at the Parliament Hill in Ottawa right now, uh, saying Trudeau must go, Trudeau needs to be thrown in jail. Some of them are just want the whole entire government to be upended and uprooted. Kind of reminds you of the January 6th insurrection that happened in the States not too long ago. Some of them that uh, were waving Confederate flags. Now, if you don't know what a Confederate flag is, just look up the American, the American um, Civil War, where uh, really the fight was over black slavery. And uh, the Confederate flag is a symbol of racism. And so a lot of fringe groups, a lot of things were happening. So the original, I guess the original purpose of the trucker convoy was to, you know, protest against uh, and peacefully protest against the vaccine mandates, but now it has turned into this. Um, recently, uh, while I was listening to Bill, One Minute with Bill Good on News 1130, he brought up a point um, in another example of how, how much chaos and how convoluted that this uh, protest has become. Uh, some of these uh, protesters uh, went into a uh, nonprofit organization, a shelter, a homeless shelter uh, called the Good Shepherd, demanding food from them, that they demanded food from the Good Shepherd, uh, which the food that was meant to meant for the homeless, for, uh, for those who need the food, these protesters demanded good, the Good Shepherd to provide them with food. And uh, of course, the Good Shepherd says, no, uh, this food is actually f uh, reserved for the homeless. But they were becoming so violent and so aggressive and abusive that the Good Shepherd, the folks at Good Shepherd, the volunteers and the staff, ended up giving them food just to appease them. Not, you know, because, hey, you don't want violence in a shelter. But while they were doing that, while they were giving food to these protesters, these protesters were filming it and tweeting it, saying that the Good Shepherd supports our cause. And not only that, uh, there was a security guard who tried to tell them to go uh, go away, uh, and of course, the security guard was a uh, was a security guard of ethnic minority. He was assaulted. He was uh, verbally abused and assaulted, and racial slurs were just thrown right at him. And so, you wonder. It makes you wonder. Okay, what what is this protest for again? Uh, like, is it about the vaccine menace or is it now about some chaotic anarchy insurrection that wants to overthrow the government because seeing all these pictures i don't think it's no longer about that it's a it's more about just not wanting to follow authority not wanting to um they just want to say i'm free to do whatever i choose and uh and i don't like the choices that are given to me and those choices, I don't like those choices because the consequences of, cho of those choices mean no likey. I don't like those consequences, so therefore it's not a choice. It's sort of like, not to come to think of it, it's sort of like children, right? When you're, uh, I'm a parent, when I tell my daughter, okay, you have a choice. 
you either finish your dinner and then you could go play or you could stay here and uh and if you and you don't finish your dinner you could just stay here until you finish it and you could skip and you'll miss your play time and basically she would say to me and this is what i think the protesters are saying metaphorically that she would say no i don't like those i don't like that consequence that's not a choice at all basically that's what the protesters are saying they're behaving like children but anyway it got me thinking about something else because uh, as I was uh, uh, walking along back to my car after I dropped off my daughter uh, to school, I was talking to one of the parents about this particular event because he asked me, how was your weekend? And I said, well, uh, during the baseball practice, I heard these all these loud horns. And he goes, oh, yeah, the trucker convoy. I go, what do you think of that? Well, he goes, it's a funny thing that he said, like he doesn't support the trucker convoy, but nor did, did he uh, think that our prime minister thought it through. Or, and then, because he said, what did he really expect from these people? Uh, like, did he expect that they would abide and oblige and obey these rules? Uh, because really, and as you know, as you and I both know and have seen the news, a person who is against vaccines will always be against vaccines. It's very hard to change their minds. And so if you put out these punishments, if you put out these um, restrictions, what do you expect? You're going to expect reactions in, in this type of form. Case in point, Quebec wanted to tax, um, propose a health tax. Was it called a health tax? On people who were anti-vax, who were not vaccinated. And then recently, just yesterday, they pulled it away because of all the protests that were happening, of all the negative reaction, of all the divisions that they say, quote unquote, that caused it. And so they pulled it away. What were you thinking? Did you expect that they would oblige, that they would submit to these rules? No, right? And so it got me thinking while I was talking to my friend uh, along the way, like, huh, you're right. I don't, none of this stuff really works, does it? The mandates, the things, that, the, the whole idea is giving them choice and with this particular negative consequence if they choose to do so. It doesn't really work. The punishment, the penal, the penal logic doesn't work, right? Um, if you do this and you'll get this, it doesn't seem to work. And so it got me thinking about Christianity and the way we present ourselves and how we share the gospel. And I want to say like, that what I and I want to share with you today, what can we learn about this age we live in, the age of reaction we live in? And what can we learn and take away to say, see how we as Christians propagate the gospel? Because if we are in an, uh, living in the age of reaction, how should we propagate the gospel? How should we proclaim Jesus and his love and his uh, life-giving message and, and just this whole good news of, of salvation. How can we pro propagate uh, our, the, the gospel, the good news of the gospel in the age of reaction? So that's, here's my take. So in the age of reaction, uh, now, if you have, oh, what, ha what is happening with my camera? Let me just adjust it. There we go, back to normal again. So in the age of reaction, uh, here are some of my thoughts. Now, if you have any comments, feel free to comment below. If you're watching this on YouTube, comment on YouTube below. Uh, if you're listening on podcasts, hey, feel free to comment. 
um, agree or disagree, or even just talk back. Age of reaction, to me anyway, it's telling me that we're living in an age where no is now not the answer. They cannot, people cannot take no for an answer. If they want to do something, we cannot say no. Uh, if they want to, uh, if people want to uh, do a particular, make a particular choice, you cannot say no. You cannot use the word no. You have to find a way to formulate it for their benefit. So it's like management 101, right? Again, I learned this when I was in business school and uh, back at SFU. And so when you want to tell somebody something and you want to persuade them, of doing something, you cannot use the word no. You cannot use negative words, things that will negate, things that will have the implication of penalty. If you really want to persuade them to do something or persuade them not to do something. In other words, this in this age, now that was back in 1995. That was back in 1995 when I was studying this. And so today, we are living in an age of reaction where it's even more so important that we have to understand that, hey, in this age of reaction, people cannot take no for an answer. They do not want to hear the word no. They do not want to hear the word, you can't do that. So how should we respond to this? How should we propagate the gospel without using those words? Because we live in that age. Next. Age of reaction says that misery does not necessarily lead to sympathy or desired outcomes. Meaning that, for instance, the protesters, right? Uh, let's go from the other side of the coin. Our prime minister issues this mandate, thinking that this penalty, uh, the penalty of not being able to cross the border if you're not vaccinated, would lead them, convince people that who are against vaccines, to get vaccinated. Well, unfortunately, it does not happen. This near 10% that he's trying to convince, this 10%, this measly 10% of people in our Canadian population who do not want to get vaccinated, he thought that by penalizing them that they would be convinced to get vaccinated. Boy, was he wrong. Did he not learn from our own provinces? Did he not learn from Bonnie Henry or uh, from, uh, from our health authorities that no matter how hard you try to impose vaccines on, like uh, vaccine restrictions and these vaccine cards of not allowing people to go into restaurants who may not be vaccinated, it doesn't really work. You cannot convince people uh, to get vaccinated. You may convince 2% or even 1% of that population, but the overall population, they're not going to be convinced. Case in point with kids as well, kids and vaccinations. You're not going to, for the longest time, everybody wants to, the health story says that, hey, getting a flu shot is the best route to go. But we still have that, might, like that I think it was like 50% of the parents not wanting to because they thought that this movie star's advice saying that vaccines causes autism is true. So how can you possibly convince the people when you use a penalty? You can't. So misery does not lead to sympathy or desired outcomes. Now, on the other side of the coin, these protesters and protesters in general, when they protest, they think that they could cause a civil disobedience, cause some havoc, cause some um, uncomfort for the general public, and they would receive sympathy 
and that they that their message would come across and that change will be made. We're not in that age anymore. We're not in the age of uh, that when people protest and when people cause civil disobedience and uncomfort for the public, that change will be made. Unfortunately, it doesn't. Uh, one of the pro uh, one of the organizers of uh, from one of the environmental groups, I think it was called something distinction, extinction, rebellion, extinction rebellion. I can't remember. The organizers just basically said every time we uh, uh, protest, nothing changed, nothing happens, no, no change happens, and then he calls that insanity. Well, I'm like, well, who's insane then? Because if you keep on doing what you're doing and it doesn't make any change, but you're getting more, uh, more people revile you, do you think that actually worked? No, because we are in the age of reaction. No one, if you make people uncomfortable, they're not going to have sympathy with your cause, plain and simple. And so that's another thing that we as Christians need to learn and take away of how we propagate the gospel. So what does that mean when we go out there to try to propagate the gospel when we know that like causing people misery, telling people that there's a punishment at the end does not work. Next. And since we're in the age of reaction, we know that uh, people do not see it as a choice that they had choices. If those choices lead to consequences that they don't like, uh, like I, my example with my daughter, if she doesn't like the consequence of not eating her dinner, she would say, you didn't give me a choice. It's not freedom. If you tell me that I need to be vaccinated before I go into a restaurant, well, uh, or else I can't, that's not a choice. That's not a choice at all. That's not freedom. Because we define choices now, we define freedom and choices now, uh, wanting to basically are those consequences desirable? Not necessarily the choices, but are those consequences desirable or not? If they're not desirable, then it's not freedom at all. Now, that I could tell that that would lead into another discussion about freedom and what does freedom mean and what do choices mean. So let's just leave that. If you want us to talk about it, uh, put, put your comment below. And I would love to uh, expand on that in a later date. Now, I'm going to give you a bonus round. Trevor Noah... Uh, the host of The Late Show. Is it entitled The Late Show? can't remember. The Tonight Show or The Late Show? He actually brought up a good point as well. In this age that we live in now, especially with social media running rampant, we are also faced with this mentality where if I disagree with you on something, then I hate you completely. In other words, if I disagree with you, I don't want anything to do with you anymore. For example, like we hear about that, uh, people like uh, the recent one, Joe Rogan. We hear about uh, people like uh, J.K. Rowling. We hear about, heck, even Ricky Jervis was criticized. And uh, a lot of people did not want anything to do with him. Is that right? But that's the age we live in. And so how can we as Christians propagate the gospel with all these things in play that the, basically in the general public cannot take no for an answer, does not think that and misery does not lead to sympathy or desired outcomes and that choices that and consequences that are not desirable are not necessarily freedom or choices. And that if I disagree with you, I'll just wipe, the, wipe you off the face of the earth. How do we do that? 
how do we propagate the gospel in light of this environment now? And that's what got me thinking. Because, hey, I'm a pastor. And yeah, I have, um, I also run a Christian nonprofit to try to figure out how to propagate the gospel and help business professionals connect the values of the gospel with their work. So how do I, as a pastor and as an executive director, help people to see the, the gospel without, in light of all this? Well, one thing I know is uh, back then when I was younger, I, would, I could say that I was scared into salvation, meaning that uh, the teachers, uh, and I love them, that they, they're, they're blessed human beings. My Sunday school teachers, my counselors, everybody, uh, they, would, they would just present this picture of hell <laughs> and uh, that it's a dreadful place and it's an eternal damnation. And uh, basically, when I was younger, I was just scared into salvation. But now, I don't think that will ever work ever again in this age. And so that's something that we need to rethink and reframe when it comes to promoting the gospel and propagating the gospel. Really, is, does hell really exist in, the Christian, Christian, in our Christian world? Like in scripture, where does it really say that hell does exist? Um, it's not. It, it, it doesn't. And so how can we reframe that now? How can we propagate the gospel without using hell if it doesn't exist? So that's one. And also the uh, no statements. Um, many times Christianity has this reputation of uh, telling people, you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this. Well, how can we propagate the gospel in a way that people are more attracted to it? Uh, or more that the gospel is more relevant for them. I think I'd liken to um, what uh, uh, I can't remember his name, but uh, just skipped out of me. Uh, one of the doctors at an ER clinic uh, one time said that in order to reach to people, we have to talk in stories, stories that are relevant for them. But these stories can never be told if we do not have conversations with them first and these and this takes time uh many times so when i was uh, growing up uh you know we we have these systems and these um sequential arguments that uh once we finish these arguments boom you're converted into christianity but today in the age of reaction i think when it comes to propagating the gospel relationship is the key that it takes time it takes a lot of time, invested time, emotional investment. Uh, it takes sacrifice. It takes uh, a bit of submission so that people are allowed to speak their story. And then as we hear their stories, we can reach to them at their level of where they're at with the gospel. It, could not even, it might not even involve scripture. Actually, most of the time, like Eugene Peterson says, it probably doesn't involve scripture. It involves a lot of storytelling a lot of synthesizing of what we know of scripture into stories so that we could reach to them where they're at. So it's not about no statements. It's not about telling them you can't do this, you can't do this. It's not about formulas or logic. Uh, some of you may know about uh, some of these systems like these five fingers, remember those? Uh, maybe you're a little too young for this. But for those of you who know, know this, we were given this glove and then yeah, there was like a black, there was a red and there's white, whatever. Or then there's the bridge diagram, remember that? 
those I don't believe in the in this age now, those will not work. Those will not work. We are in the age of reaction, an age where people desire others to hear their story, an age where people desire your time, my time, an age that if you don't invest in them, if you don't invest in people's lives, if you don't invest in knowing them further on where their heart is at, their desires, by saying no or offering propositions and logic or, or just arguments will not work. The bridge diagram will not work. They could care less unless you could synthesize the death bridge diagram into their story. All right. So how to tell Jesus' story in an age of reaction? I think for me personally, for myself, if I was looking at myself in the mirror, I would tell myself, John, you better know Jesus' story really well then. You better know it so well that you will be able to synthesize it in a way that regardless of whether your Bible is next to you or not, you can be able to reach that person when that person tells you his or her story or their story. That if they tell you their, their story and, and if you're unable to synthesize the gospel into their story, you don't know your gospel well enough. But if you are able to, then you do. And that's my take on today. Sorry, folks, if you were expecting me to offer a critique on the convoy, not so much so because you already know where I stand on vaccines. I'm fully vaccinated. I got my booster. Wife's fully vaccinated. She got her booster. My daughter's next week. She's going to get her second shot. So you know where we stand on our vaccines. And also, with regards to Manison protocols, I wear two masks because I was told to. See? I'm the type of person that I trust my health authorities. So you know where I stand. Um, politically, you know, it's so difficult to watch our uh, conservative party leaders, the MPs, to go with the trucker convoy. Uh, I must admit, sorry to go off on a tangent, I must admit that I used to support the conservative party when they were truly conservative, when they were truly representing conservatism in a progressive country, meaning it's more about fiscal responsibility and prudency and socially progressive. Let me say that again. Fiscally prudent, socially progressive, religiously moderate. You get that? So that was way back in the heyday. Now it has turned into a beast that I just can't relate to. See, stories, right? Their story does not relate with my story, and I just can't see that happening anymore. And it's unfortunate that they're um, just now, Aaron O'Toole just got booted out. So they're really going downhill, in a, and that's my opinion anyway. Share yours as well. Feel free to comment. All right, that's it for me. Uh, that's it for me for my IMCO today. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, for those who are listening, from watching, or watching the recording of it, Share your, share your reactions and responses and critiques and feedback on my IMCO. I would love to hear from you. Till next time, have a blessed week.